Hello everyone and welcome back to JTalk Extra Time for part three of our big J2 season review for 2023. Uh, John Steele here hosting again for this episode and uh, joining me uh, to run through uh, yeah, some underwhelming performers from last season. It's uh, James Taylor. James, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks John. The sun's out again, it's nice. I've been on thesaurus.com looking for other ways to say disappointing because I have a feeling we're going to need plenty of them in this episode. Uh, yes, well, uh, yeah, talking of disappointing, I know you're, you're talking to me for the second time in three days uh, during the festive <laughs> season, so I apologise apologise in advance for that. I've, I've run out of uh, anecdotes and stories to uh, to entertain you with uh, at this point, and I'm, I'm sure that goes for the listeners as well. But um, yeah, uh, James, without further ado, we, we, we should get uh, we should get in deep with the, the disappointment uh, and uh, other, other synonyms to follow. So we'll start in part three by talking about Tokushima Vortis, um, they ended up finishing in 15th place uh, in 2023. That's uh, down from 8th the season before. They ended up with 13 points fewer. Um, I think for me, um, ju- just to jump the gun a little bit, this felt like a real season of two halves, maybe not in terms of you know number of games, but the, the, the Benar Labayan era uh, coming to a, an underwhelming conclusion. And when Tatsuma Yoshida took over, things improved pretty uh, pretty drastically didn't they from that point so I've ended up and this might be controversial I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking I might have gone a bit too generous here but B minus is, is my grade for Tokushima and I base that on the fact that they looked like they were going to get relegated for a while over the first few months of the season they ended up writing the ship quite uh, quite well under under Yoshida as mentioned and I also didn't think their squad was that impressive overall I actually thought they overperformed a little bit in finishing 8th the previous year so just based on expectation and a horrible start to the season I thought B minus was it was a fair grade for Tokushima's 2023 but um, what say you what say you James mm, I'd give him a C I think a real letdown um, and I think well they drew too many games again and that was the reason why they only finished eighth last year if they turned those draws into wins like um, you know 2022 then they would have finished higher up they would have got in the playoffs and all of that um, this year they drew 19 they only won ten. They only scored forty-three goals, and a part of their problem—I mean, they were—they were never in the top half this year. Mm. Um, they were bottom for well, from match day five to match day thirteen. They didn't win for the first eleven games. Um, only managed five wins in the first half of the season. This was really bad, really bad stuff. And they, yeah, they, they only scored what was it, forty-three, forty-three goals, which was among the lowest in the league and that was I mean they they were relying on Kaito Mori and Yoichiro Kakitani to score and they got 13 and 7 goals each but they, they didn't start scoring until quite a lot of the season had already passed and apart from them there wasn't anyone really to to produce no one really st- I mean they had good players players like Kazuki Inishia and Eiji Shirai in midfield Ryo Toyama is a good um player but didn't really feature that much mm. um no no one really kind of stepped up to to support and so that's why they they struggled they they were pretty poor this year um and i think when they were on that really awful run at the start of the year we talked a bit about them and i was wondering about whether they were going to have to rethink their you know their their project of having this kind of Spanish managers and uh, playing in a particular way, and mm. so they they dumped um, Le Bayern halfway through the season and brought in um, 
a, a Japanese manager. Didn't really change the style of play that much, I don't think. Still really boring to watch. Just, I mean, it's it, part part of the reason why I think that is, is it's really boring watching another team come to your own stadium and just pass the ball around while you can't get anywhere near them and don't seem to even try. So mm. partly colouring my opinion of them. But yeah, just dull, 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 dull. So a C grade for me. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's 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 fair enough. I think um yeah, I, I sort of I, on the one hand, I wanted to talk about Tokushima more and kind of drill down into why they w- were so disappointing this this season or the season just finished. But I think you covered it pretty well. Like we ended up talking about them when they were doing unexpectedly badly at the start of the season. We talked about them a lot, and I, I really did think maybe they were heading. Uh, yeah, they they might have been heading for a real kind of relegation battle. Uh, this this season, which 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 would have been unexpected, but um, yeah, they they turned things around just about. But I don't think they they didn't really excel or, or catch the eye in any particular area. I think you mentioned a uh, Kaito Mori hit without his goals. I think things could have been a lot worse for them because they didn't score many, uh, as you said. I think the rumours are that he might be uh, might be leaving this winter. Uh, with a Yokohama FC mentioned as a possible destination, so we, we'll see. But um, yeah, I think they really just need to go back to the drawing board um, for next year, don't they? It just wasn't the, the, the season; just never really, like you said, they were never in the top half, and things never really got going, got going for them. So uh, yeah, B, B minus or C. Um, I think we're, we're more or less on the same page with with that one, James. Uh, okay, we, we we've started the, uh, the, the the disappointment express has left the station. So uh, talking of teams that never really got going, we should probably move on to the the 16th place side in the table, James Vegalta Sendai. Um, now they finished seventh in 2022, uh, but this was a huge uh, kind of downgrade, wasn't it? They ended up with 15 points uh, fewer than they picked up the season before, uh, a full 19 points off the playoffs by the end of, of round 42. And I believe, just checking through my uh, my records here, this is Sendai's lowest ever uh, league place in there, their lowest ever league finish. Uh, in, in their history, so the the boos were very loud and very consistent at Yurtek Stadium, uh, weren't they uh, last year? I, I um I, I, I like to think of myself as a nice guy, but I can only give a D grade here, and that's only because they avoided relegation after they almost seemed to flirt with with the drop down to J three for us. I think D because they survived, but um almost um almost no merit really from this season as far as I can see. What what, what about Sendai James? It's rubbish. I mean they're the only team. This is how bad their season was. The only team in J2 to lose to Kanazawa twice. I think that, <laughs> that says it all. Yeah. Um, they didn't beat Olmia either. They drew and lost. Oh, no, they beat Olmia 1-0. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, again, I mean, they, they didn't stop the rock from the year before, did they? they? They were in the automatic promotion hunt and then suddenly fell away, missed the playoffs. And then, I mean, bringing in Akira Ito didn't, didn't help them last year and sticking with him was the wrong decision this year it was quite plain to see and then they brought in um, uh, Hori Takafumi yeah Takafumi yeah. yeah Hori who not necessarily the guy to steady the ship I would perhaps try, try to put that diplomatically mm. because uh, I mean his teams provide plenty of action and goals but not he's not I would not say that he's the best at stabilising Mm. And Sendai, for a very long time, as you said, they were in a in the relegation picture. There was a real a real risk of them. I mean, they were in a long losing run when Hori took over, and yeah, they managed to pull away a bit towards the end. But I think also that was because there were other teams who were so much worse than them. Mm. Um, but the spectators, the the supporters, are the are the positive 
at at Sendai, I think. Maybe the only one. They had massive crowds again this year, even when they were churning out this dross week after week. And yeah, I think those boos that you mentioned and the, the anger from the supporters is something that the club needs to use. They need to galvanise that support because that is a, a tremendous support group of supporters that they've got there. And they need to use that, that energy and that passion and turn it around because, yeah, Sendai shouldn't be slumming it in lower mid-table of J2. Yeah, well, I think Sendai just, I mean, I just think about them as being like a J1 team, you know. Mm. And if you look at their squad this season, one, one of the reasons why I've been so kind of um, mean, if you like, is is that I, I just think they're, they're, that, that squad should be challenging for automatic promotion, probably. You know, there's enough good players, especially in midfield, where they, um, you know, they should be going higher at the table. I couldn't understand why. You know, this is something that came up a few times. I couldn't understand why um, uh, goalkeeper Akihiro Hayashi was picked again and again when he was clearly struggling. Because <laughs> um, they had, um, you, you know, that that felt like. Do you remember when Omiya had no goalkeepers left, so Yuta Minami had to play? Yeah. Uh, th- th- that wasn't the case. They had Yuma Obata, who's you know quite a good young keeper. You know, I just there was selection, you know, baffling kind of selections at times, and it seemed like nobody really knew what the best eleven was. Like I think, for example, Foginho, I thought maybe he he's one of the best midfielders, but he was sort of in and out. And they had a, is it Ever, Everton or Everton? Uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of another Brazilian midfielder's kind of in and out, and I wasn't really sure if he was. There were a lot of players who have a good pedigree and a good reputation at, at, in that squad, but by the end of the season, I wasn't very clear whether these players are any good or not. Um, mm. Yeah, I think there was a bad vibe around the place um, for most of the season. And you mentioned the support, and I think in terms of like you know stadium fan base, you know there, there's so much potential there, and it really is a J1 team, as I mentioned in in all but in all but league placing. But the problem is with with very very loud, passionate fans, and you can see it if you go up to J1 and like Urawa, for example, when they turn, or Kashima is another good example, when they're not happy, it becomes a very the the, the vibe can turn negative very quickly. Mm. And I think by I don't know, but by Golden Week, Sendai were just in quicksand, weren't they this season? And yeah. there was already too much kind of um, bad uh, bad juju for them to for them to, to to ride the ship. So I'm really interested to see what they do next year because I think for most of the teams that we're talking about today, um, they had poor seasons, but within the kind of tolerance that the front office might expect and the supporters might expect mm. in most cases. Whereas I think with Sendai, this was a real. Like, I, I, I'm sure that the front office has had no conversations pre-season about what do we do if we finish, like, you know, eight points clear of the relegation zone. So I think they're in, mm. they're in very much uncharted, uncharted uh, territory. So, um, yeah, the only bright spot I will mention is I've just been uh, leafing through the Maycan to make sure I get his number. Ryunosuke Sugawara, uh, mm. a very young uh, rookie striker. He had that, um, he had a touch of the hero Cormoris about him in terms of just his hunger and, and desire. Mm. And um, I know that it's, it's it's easy and it's cheap to kind of say that players don't don't want it badly enough uh, in some cases. But I did I did feel that watching Sendai a few times last year, yeah. and I, it seemed like young hungry players kind of come through, you know, and, and do their do their best is um is one bright spot. So to, to end on a, on a kind of positive for Sendai for 2023, I thought Ryunosuke Sugawara is definitely a name to watch next season. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think. 
Um, for Sendai, it was just an unmitigated disaster of a season, wasn't it? And uh, we've probably any Sendai supporters listening will probably want us to move on and just forget about it. So let's uh, let's do that uh, as best we can. Um, James, how about uh, the team that finished in seventeenth? It's uh, Mito Hollyhock. So a slight regression, I think we can say from the year before. They they finished thirteen in 2022 so four places lower down the table and uh, I think seven points in the end worse off um I found it difficult to figure out what I was going to say about Mito here I don't really have much because for me Mito finishing about 17th just seems very Mito to me so I've ended up giving them I've gone for B minus but I I can't remember why I've gone for B minus and not B I think maybe just because they've they've you know regressed from the previous year but 17th place for Mito I mean if you gave me a J2 table and asked me to kind of fill in where teams should finish, I probably would have Mito outside the relegation zone, but not by much. So it seems like par par for the course for me. Um, does that sound about right, James, or a bit unfair? I don't know. No, I think that's about right. I mean, Mito, I think they, this was the start of a new cycle for them. They had their three years with uh, Tadhiro Akiba, and they started off with a year like this one, where they were sort of lower mid-table, great attack, well, well, quite a good attack, exciting young loanees, but really bad at the back on a lot of occasions. And mm. you never know whether good Mito or bad Mito are going to show up. And um, then with each of the, the following years, he really, uh, Akiba really improved them and tightened up the things that needed to be tightened up, all the while having to rebuild the squad from scratch every year. I think the same thing happened this year. Um, it was a, a whole load of uh, new players for the most part, and they had some really nice uh, attacking talents like uh, Mizuki Ando had nine goals. They've got um, Shimon Teranuma, odd favourite rookie. He got mm. eight goals. He was really good. Mm. Not afraid to throw himself around and use his size. Fumia Unoki as well, quite quite um, quite good to watch. Fumia Sugiura had and Motoki Ohara as well quite good uh, at the back defensively they were dodgy they had Louis Yamaguchi in goal who was very good I thought played pretty well uh, um, but yeah they were a bit too hit and miss they did however in the second half of the year they went on a run of what 10 games unbeaten including six draws in a row but within that run they had kind of um, relegation six pointers against Omiya Kumamoto Akita, Tochigi, Yamaguchi, and Kanazawa, and Sendai. And they didn't lose any of them. In fact, they won three in a row against Yamaguchi, Kanazawa, and Sendai. Mm. So when it mattered, they were able to get the results that they needed. But Mm. yeah, Mm. I think this was, on the whole, I would say probably a positive year for Mito, bearing in mind yeah, the, the situation, the circumstances of, of the club generally. Mm-hmm. No, I think I'd, I'd go along with that. I, I remember Mito, for me, a perennial team where every every pre-season when I sit down to kind of prepare for sort of pre-season, you know, preview pods with, with yourself, I'm always thinking like, uh, uh, to be honest, maybe this is a bit negative, but I'm always thinking, is this the year that Mito will go down? Uh, mm. Or is it the year when they kind of consolidate and go up, go up to mid table or, or a bit higher? And this um, this time last year or last winter, I was thinking they they've got this new manager, um, Yoshimi Hamasaki. Mm. You know, he's never managed anywhere before. That's a risk, and the squad always looks a bit thin at Mito in terms of mm. you know experience and numbers because it's that that's the kind of club that that, that that's the way they run the club. So I, sh- I perhaps should have had a bit more faith in them. They they sort of did. I know they they finished seventeenth. 
but I, that, that was they did as well as I could have expected really I think possibly even better than I expected so I think overall it's funny isn't it because we just talked about Tokushima and Sendai's having really really disappointing seasons and then Mito would be low both of them but we think that there, there was lots of cause for optimism there <laughs> um, but it's all about expectation and it's about budget isn't it and I think in, in that sense Mito did I, I mean I, I, how many different ways can we say this they did okay Mm. Uh, but I don't think they pulled up any trees. I can't remember us mentioning them in much detail, really, on the pod throughout yeah. throughout the season. But I think they're going to have their usual kind of busy transfer season, aren't they? Because I believe Ari Yamaguchi, the goalkeeper you mentioned, is the subject of interest from J1, I think. Uh, and yeah. Motoki Ohara, I think, has he gone to Hiroshima? He was on loan from Hiroshima and has gone back, I think, or... Oh, yeah, um, I think so. They, they'll they'll be looking for some. There's always always uh, they they turn up some new players to fill these gaps, uh, don't they? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'm always I'm sure we'll be having a similar similar conversation maybe uh, in a few few months uh, a few months time about you know what what who 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 they've got in to kind of go again. But yeah, it's the start of a new cycle for them, and that has a lot of optimism. Whereas I think it, maybe at Sendai, it's clearly what should be the end of a cycle. And uh, mm-hmm. Tokushima maybe kind of somewhere in between. So um, yeah, fair dues. I think Mito did did okay, and it was a very very typical Mito season for them. I think I think it's fair to say. Okay, James. At this point, we are going to take a quick uh, comfort break and uh, and uh, and relax. But we do have a a, a drop in there here, a dynamite drop in on uh, Iwaki. Um, Leslie Mabin has done our uh, our kind of analysis uh, on them for the season review on, on Iwaki. So yeah, please stay tuned. Uh, James and I are going to take a break. But uh, Leslie Mabin, uh, he's at LJ Mabin on Twitter if you want to follow him. Uh, yeah, he's got our our Iwaki uh, review. So yeah, take it away, Leslie, and we'll talk to you soon. Hello, my name's Leslie Mabin and I'm an Iwaki FC fan. And over the next few minutes, I'm just going to say a little bit about how I think our first season in J2 went. So if you asked me what grade I'd give our season and why, I'd probably say a C. I think before a ball was even kicked, we all knew that this was going to be a very different experience to anything we'd had before. So, Iwaki FC were founded just after the 2011 Great East Japan earthquake and tsunami. And since that time, we've been fighting up through the leagues. And with the exception of one season where we, we didn't win in the JFL, We've won the league we were in every season since we were founded. And clearly that was going to not be a, a feasible target to aim for in, in J2. Um, funnily enough, it wasn't Iwaki FC, but I was, I was listening to uh, Katala Toyama's uh, CEO, um, Hidari Tomo-san, talking on, on local radio. And he, he was saying this as well from his, his um, years working in football in Japan, that going from J3 to J2 is actually the biggest step up and it's a tougher step, he thought, than from J2 to J1. And, you know, having having been through this season now, I can see why he said that, you know, and what, what Hidari Tomo had been saying was, you know, you're going from a league with quite a lot of small teams suddenly up into a league with some very well-supported and well-resourced teams that have got players who've played at the very highest levels, players who in cases have been full internationals, and as a J3 team, you're coming up against this. And that was very true for Iwaki. So, you know, I think one of the things you really have to note with, with Iwaki is 
We had the youngest average age of any team in J2 this season at uh, 23.9 years. And a lot of players in there who had come from university, had come from, from youth setups of other teams. Um, and I can really see what we're trying to do. And I really have a, a lot of respect for, for what we're trying to do at Iwaki, you know, building out a kind of young team and playing fast, expansive, attacking football around that. And it's a very laudable vision. Um, the only challenge with that is that when you come into G2, you know, you're up against, like I was just saying, some some very, very well-resourced and very experienced teams. And as I'll talk about a bit later, when things go wrong, they have the potential to to really go wrong. So um, I think we got a taste of what was to come on the first day of the season when we lost 3-2 to Fujieda. Um, with some pretty shambolic defending, some wasteful finishing, but otherwise some quite exciting play. And things went really quite badly wrong thereafter, um, resulting in Suguri-san being removed as coach and uh, Tamura Yuzo, who'd been the manager before, being reinstated from the general manager position. And that uh, that settled us down. And I think, you know, we became quite hard to beat. We became a lot more organised defensively, got some really good results, um, good number of draws, narrow wins, and a fair few clean sheets against some of the, the top teams in the division and some, some really good results. Wasn't happy with how the season finished. I think we, we really tailed off, took our foot off the gas, whether we thought we were safe or whatever, I don't know. If the season had been a couple of games longer, we could have been in trouble. So I wasn't very happy with that. But on the whole, you know, I think it was it was always going to be a, a very different season. And like I say, when you're trying to come up with a very young squad who haven't played a lot of senior football, you're going to have challenges. But we did the absolute main thing, which was, was staying up. And that hopefully gives us a, a foundation to work on for next season. The high points of Iwaki's 2023 season, if you ask me, um, well, there's, there's two. And I think the first one came quite early in the season. And that was the, the Tohoku Derby up uh, up in Sendai against Fagalta Sendai. So the the fixturing, the fixture scheduling committee, whoever it is, very kindly, very nicely scheduled the first Iwaki Sendai game to be on the 12th of March, 2023. So that came one day after the, the anniversary of the the Great East Japan earthquake and tsunami and nuclear accident. And I think that was a really nice, poignant gesture. Um, so Fagalta Sendai clearly are very well known for all the work that the players and the club did in the Tohoku region after the tsunami. Iwaki FC likewise were founded specifically for the, the purpose of kind of revitalising and re-energising the, uh, the Fukushima coast after the, the nuclear accident. So, you know, that was a really emotional day. And I think to, to go up there and to win, to get a win against, um, you know, in the derby against Fagalta Sendai was a, a, a very... Yeah, you know, very special thing I think for 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 Iwaki as a as, as a city, not just for the club. So the the second high point I think came much later in the season, and that would be a uh, the three two away victory against Machida Selvia. So after everything that had happened, after all the difficulties in the middle of the season, to go to the champions to their ground and to win 
I think that is a real sign of encouragement for what the group of players that we have and that the staff and that the technical team can achieve. I mean, OK, you, you could argue that uh, by this point, uh, Machida were, you know, were coasting towards promotion, if not the title. You know, that the, there wasn't the, the kind of real pressure that they might have had a bit earlier in the season. But still, you know, to go there and to be able to play, go and beat the champions at their ground, I think is a real, as I say, a real endorsement and a real encouragement of what um, Iwaki FC could uh, could hope to do. And also just, just a little kind of extra selfish little thing as well. Another high from 2023 for me personally was actually getting to a game. So um, I guess like a lot of people listening... Uh, who aren't in Japan, uh, because of COVID, many of us, I guess, won't have been able to go to games for a good few years, in my case, three and a half years. But I, I was I was lucky, I was fortunate this this year in that one of my travels to Japan uh, timed with the, um, the, the start of the season. And so I was able to get to, to Mito, to the Kays Denki Stadium, to see the Joban Line Derby, and see us draw 2-2 uh, with, uh, with with Mito Hollyhock. You know, to stand behind the goal and stand next to the Oen Dan and, and hear the songs and be part of the support was a, a really nice day out for, for me personally. Well, if you ask me what the lows of the season were, ha, 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 well, I think um, everybody listening who knows anything about J2 knows what I'm going to say here. And there are two games in particular that stick out, both of which were against Shimizu Espulse. Two very heavy defeats. And let me say a little bit about each of these in turn. So the first game was a 9-1 defeat uh, to, to Shimizu Espulse. And again, I think just the extent of the capitulation that happened was what was really annoying about that. So... Like I said a little bit earlier, when you're playing, you know, fast and open football against a big, powerful, experienced team, things can go wrong. But you've got to be able to manage a game and see a game out. And I think that's where some of the naivety and inexperience really kicked in. And, you know, there was a lot of really, I think not just that game, but around that game, there was a lot of really kind of unpleasant pleasant things that happened around Iwaki FC. So you're know, getting knocked out of the of the cup by Tokushima was one. Then there was the um the, the, the away fixture where an opposition player was was down injured and uh, there was there was some unpleasantness among some of our support, you know, shouting at the players and then the referees and the medical staff and I think the frustrations of just suddenly not being a team that are steamrolling everybody out of the way not being a team that are winning comfortably every week, I think just started to get to some people and that was a particularly kind of dark and, and unpleasant moment in the season. But like I said, you know, um, Tamura-san changed things around a bit, steadied the ship, got us back in an even keel and, you know, things were, were looking a lot better until we faced Shimizu S-Pulse again and lost 7-1. That, for me was actually more annoying than the 9-1 defeat, purely because nothing had really been learnt from it. And I think it, it says a lot about where our priorities for recruitment are for next season. So it was quite 
remarkable that as the, the, the transfers, the contracts, the news was all starting to come out, on the same day, we announced the signing of two goalkeepers. And I think that Shimizu Espal scheme really sums up for me why that was so important. Because I know there's the cliche that a goalkeeper is only as good as his defence. But honestly, you know, not playing a hologram in goals would, would help a lot. And I mean, some of the goals we conceded against Shimizu were just appalling. The, the, the standard of goalkeeping was, was, was shocking. The level of organisation and communication in the defence was just shocking. And, and, and as I say, I think on the whole, the second half of the season was, was pretty pretty decent. It was pretty solid. That game was just abominable. It was absolutely abysmal. And to, to have learnt so little, um, I think, really, really frustrated me. So I'm going to stop talking about the, the lows... I'm going to stop sounding like an angry lower league Scottish football manager. Um, and instead, let's talk about something a little bit more positive. So if you ask me who's the most important player for the team this season, I think I would probably say Iwabuchi Hiroto. So Iwabuchi, I think, was important purely because of the number of very important goals he scored for us. You know, a lot of decisive goals critical games, which I think probably contributed to us staying up. And one of the reasons that's so important was because on the whole, we played some lovely stuff across the season, but we were really wasteful in front of goal. And actually, one of the biggest culprits for that was uh, Arita Rio. So Arita was fantastic for us in J3. And he was really, I thought, really wasteful in J2. Uh, I think he, a, lot of, a lot of good chances that he didn't put away. A lot of really not very, very good attempts at finishing, you know. Um, I have to say, I know this is not a nice thing to say, but I'm, I'm actually I was a bit surprised that uh, the Yamagata have, have, have taken a punt on him. Um, because I, I kind of thought, looking at the season, okay, he's, he's hit his ceiling. You know, his, this is his ceiling, maybe top end of J3, lower end of J2. Um, not not a great season. A lot of very wasteful play from our from our forwards, and Iwabuchi really, I think, made up for that. So I'm, I'm disappointed, but not surprised that he's also moving on to uh, to Fajiano Okayama. So Iwabuchi Hiroto for me, purely for the number of absolutely vital goals that he 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 chipped in. And again, just another word for for Tamura Yuzo stepping back into the manager's seat after being in the in the general manager position. Coming back in, picking up where he'd left off with that group of players that he'd worked with before, earlier in his career. I don't think we can underestimate how how important that was in stopping our season from going um, horribly, horribly wrong. If you want to ask me as well about what the biggest surprise of the season was, um, it's probably not an Iwaki FC surprise. I think on the whole, like I say... The season probably went how anybody with their sensible head screwed on probably thought it was going to go. With the possible exception, as I say, of uh, Arita losing his shooting boots. Um, the biggest surprise for me, I think, was Shimizu Espulse uh, failing to bounce straight back up. So, huge team comes down, um, very well resourced, very good group of players. I know there is previous for this in, in the leagues in Japan. So we look, for example, at, uh, at Matsumoto Yamaga. 
having a lot of money, having a big stadium, having a big supporter base isn't necessarily a guarantee of success. Even so, you know, for a team to be able to go and turn over somebody like Iwaki 9-1 and then fail to get up um, through the automatic spots or through the playoffs was, was uh, I, th- I would say, a really big surprise for me. But also just a little word as well for um, Fujieda, my FC, who came up alongside us from G3 last season. They had a, they had a great season this year. Um, I'm always loath to make direct comparisons between Iwaki and Fujieda because, you know, I think different clubs, different kind of visions, different ownership structure, you know, just different models, different points in their history and things like that. You're comparing, to an extent, apples with pears. But still, to come up with a very limited budget, you know, to be able to make some really smart signings, get a couple of experienced heads in there, play some really nice football, some great results, and get a really solid mid-table finish, I would say, you know, fair play and, and full respect to, to Fujieda for, for achieving that. So in sum, uh, for, for Iwaki, I would say absolutely fundamental goal of not going straight back down to J3 is achieved. And the other goal of getting a bit of experience for a young squad with not a lot of senior football in them, also achieved. A wee bit disappointing to see a few players moving on. That, though, I think is inevitable when you're a smaller club. That's inevitably going to happen, that players are going to stand out and move on. But the fact that they are being picked up is a bit of encouragement that behind the scenes we're doing good stuff in terms of recruiting and developing young players. And I really look forward to seeing what we can do next year with a year of experience in J2 under our belt. Gunbape Iwaki. Thanks for that, Leslie. Great to hear about uh, how Iwaki's maiden season uh, in the second tier unfolded. Uh, James and I are refreshed uh, and back again. So, James, we'll press on very close to the uh, the bottom of the table now. So, um, yeah, only a few more teams to talk about. Let's uh, let's go with Tochigi uh, next. They finished 19th uh, last season. Uh, again, a little bit like Mito, slight re- regression from the previous year. They were 17th in 2022 and this time around they picked up five points fewer than the year before i think the biggest problem for them is a a perennial one it's a scoring goals they only got 39 across the 42 rounds in 2023 and i think uh in final balance that was probably what ended up uh being the 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 sort of the final straw for the the coach yutoki saki i think he he's uh, been fired right and they'll have a new manager for 2024 um difficult one this uh james not not to kind of cannibalize our comments about mito but tochigi finishing you know a few points and a few places clear of the jt relegation zone seems very on brand for them uh you know nothing nothing too nothing too exciting to to mention so i went with a b minus uh for my grade that's just because they did regress a little bit points wise and and position wise from the previous year but tochigi you know not a huge amount of money for players they rely a lot on on loanees and uh, shall we say more experienced uh, folk um, to, to, to fill out the squad. I, I thought they did okay. Nothing particularly noteworthy to talk about. So B- minus was my grade. What what did you make of Tochigi, James? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to kick on under Tokisaki because, like I think I've said before, in, in the Emperor's Cup, when I've seen last year and this year, they really kind of went hell for leather and took it to particularly um, teams from, from J1. They play this really expansive style, but when in the league, they just seem to 
kind of play for you know one nils or nil nils and it, they have a very good defence. I, I won't take that away from them. They only conceded 47 goals, which is uh, second best in the bottom half. Mm. Right, that's excellent. Um, but they only scored 39, like you said. That's not enough. I mean, they had some goals from Bjorn Nimodo, who was on loan, but he got injured near the end of the year. Koki Oshima scored, and they brought in Ismaila on loan towards the end of the season, and he scored a few. But apart from that, yeah, it's not enough. Um, they, they, they don't... They don't score enough. They didn't really ever look like they were gonna score, and mm. they also had a very, very big problem with conceding late goals. I mean, they scored a few, a fair few late goals, but I, I, I remember mentioning in roundups during several times during the year the number of goals they conceded in the last fifteen minutes plus mm. additional time mm. was far too many. I think they dropped. A lot of points from from winning positions. Mm. They were always in the bottom third of the table, which, like you say, for Tochigi is probably expected, but is still disappointing. They, they they didn't kick on from from last year, so they're going to have a. I think they're going to have a, an overhaul, aren't they? They've got a new manager coming in. Mm. A lot of their players will be leaving um, on at the end of their loans, so. Mm, we'll see how they do next year. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's all fair comments. It's always tricky when we get to your kind of Tochigi and, and Mito uh, area of the table because on the one hand, you look a bit higher up the league and there's teams like Gunma who are doing it with the similar yeah. budget and similar resources. So it's kind of, I don't want us to sound like we're being unambitious when we say, oh, Mito should finish about 17th and Tochigi should finish about 18th. It's like, well, yeah, perhaps they could do a little bit better. And I- they did a few years ago, didn't mm. they? With Kasaka, they had a, a really good year where they finished comfortably mid-table. They mm. were in... And Kanazawa as well, a similar low-budget small-town team who had a few years in, in mid-table. So mm. it's not it's it's, doable. it's not impossible. No, it's not yeah. impossible. Well, I think that's I think that's fair. And we, we'll we'll see. Well. Yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see how it goes. I think that you mentioned players that, that that kind of stood out that they might lose. I think Kazuki Fujita, the goalkeeper, yeah. um, is the the one standout of the, kind of mm. one of the main reasons for that tight defence. Is he moving on to? Is it is it, is it Niigata he's gone to? He's left to go somewhere, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we're in, we're in this kind of vortex of transfer news at the moment. I can't keep up. I know, I know he's leaving. That's why I, I definitely read that. His loan ended at Niigata. He's gone to Jeff, hasn't he? Good good catch, James. Mm. Yeah, extra extra uh, test for you there. Um, I think as well, they, they, <laughs> they would have done a lot worse without Kenta Fukumori's like, set-piece delivery. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's a kind of key key sort of um, free kick taker, corner kick taker for them. So they they relied quite heavily on the kind of set set plays. Yeah. Um, again, again, as a typical uh, Tochigi, you know, sort of stereotypical Tochigi fashion. So yeah, it was. Um, I actually think the point that you made about the Empress Cup games is a good one. I think Tokisaki was trying to move them along style wise, mm-hmm. and I actually think um, playing devil's advocate, it would have been interesting to see how he done with like another season. To, to, to renovate the squad but obviously they, they lost patience and the, the, the improvement or the changes weren't coming quickly enough and I think if they'd perhaps if they'd ended up two places higher than the previous season and five points better off he might still be there um, but because it's an obvious um, you know it, it, one quick glance at the league table tells you they, they, they sort of in final analysis performed worse you know albeit fractionally I think that that did for him but um, yeah I sort of enjoyed watching them at times I think Tochigui are a great great highlights team <laughs> great great team to watch the highlights of them perhaps you don't want to be watching too many too many 90 minute plus uh, plus games so yeah we'll, we'll see how they do uh, we'll see how they do next season but um, yeah I think a uh, steady uh, steady hand on the tiller wasn't it Tochigui for most of the year 
by their standards. Um, another team that perhaps looks better in highlights than it does in in in, in a full match is Yamaguchi. Uh, James Renault for Yamaguchi. Let's talk about them next. They finish twentieth uh, in the table in 2023. That's uh, with six points fewer than the previous year, 2022, when they finished sixteenth. Um, I think we could say the Juan S. Snyder uh, as coach experiment uh, failed uh, pretty pretty early on, and uh, they'll have a new manager in the form of Yoshigaki for, for next season, which is going to be an interesting one. So they they just about got the job done. They they seem like they were well, they were in the thick of the relegation dogfight and ended up surviving. Uh, only thirty seven goals scored, um, so not difficult to see where their main problem was last season. I think for me. I'll give a C grade for Yamaguchi because they did look in, in very, very real relegation danger and they did survive. So that's, that's uh, fair enough. They, they achieved the goal of uh, J2 survival, but um, at times it was quite attritional and yeah, it ended up being a bit of a, it was all a bit of a mess by the end of the year, I think. So, uh, uh, James Yamaguchi, what, what do you think? Yeah, this was a bit of a mess, wasn't it really? Uh, particularly in defense. And particularly at the start of the year, I was really disappointed that the, the, the first manager, Natsuka, was not able to stay longer because I remember us saying at the end of last year he'd done really well in his first season with them and we were looking forward to seeing how he would do this year and um, thinking that other teams might come in for him. And then I thought he started with three reasonable results and then they just started hemorrhaging goals 3-1 to Kumamoto. They lost 5-2 away to Kanazawa. Kanazawa, who'd only scored one goal in their previous four games, uh, hadn't won at that point. That was, uh, well, it was a great day for me. I enjoyed that. My kids enjoyed that. But, um, yeah. And then they're 3-0 to Fujieda. They lost 6-0 to Shimizu and 3-1 to Oita. They, they only had four or five wins in the first half of the season. They had some real thrashings. And, and that's, I think it was that he stepped down, he resigned rather than being fired, which mm. I suppose is very noble. But and I remember us talking about it halfway through the season, thinking, well, maybe if he he was really committed to this way of playing, you know, playing out from the back and trying to build up play, which is great. It's great to have your principles, but you need to be a bit more pragmatic at times. I don't think he had the players to do that style of play as completely as he wanted or as he imagined and if he'd perhaps toned it down a bit or adapted it to suit the players at his disposal then maybe uh, things would have been a bit better but they weren't and then as Schneider came in things looked up for a little bit but then quickly went back to the norm they won um, that massive game against Kanazawa 3-2 near the end of the year which then they lost 2-1 to Omiya the following week, which didn't help them. They <laughs> give themselves hope and then dash it the next week. And yeah, they finished with um, five winless. Uh, just Yeah, it was just just a lot of rubbish, really, wasn't it? I mean, again, for a lot of teams we've talked about today, expectations at a club like Yamaguchi are perhaps that they will finish in the bottom third, but they had a goal difference of minus 30. It's pretty awful. The, the the expectation of finishing in the bottom third is is fine, but the way of the way of finishing in the bottom third, right, is like for Mito, we expect it, and perhaps we we were we would expect them to finish in that way. But I think I think that's right. I think what what I was I'm actually just looking through their their squad as we're talking, 
uh, James, and I think I'm right in saying the only, like, basically, they do have quite a few forwards, you know, strikers in that squad, but none of them came off at all, did they? Apart from maybe, if you're being very generous, and it's it's Christmas, so I'm feeling generous, Tsubasa Umeki did okay. Yeah, um, but... He popped up with his, some goals. His six goals, they... I mean, I think a couple of them came in that, that important game against Kanazawa, but, I mean, when did the others come? He didn't... Mm. Well, much well, well, you're right. But then, if you look at what, what other forwards have contributed, I mean, there's actually a pretty decent set of forwards here. You got, you know, Shuhei Otsuki, Daisuke Takagi, you know, yeah. as well he was as um, right back. Yeah, Yusuke Minagawa, uh, you know, Shinya Yajima, for example. You, you know, I think you really should be looking to squeeze more goals um, yeah. out of out of those players. So I think there's, you know, it's. I think if I'm the coach and I've got five strikers on the books, reality is that not all of them are going to come off and get to like 10 goals or even seven goals, but you, you're hoping that two of them do. And uh, yeah. for only Umeki to make it to six was uh, was a bit disappointing. So yes, I think and they also had it, Juan Yuan Matsuhashi uh, on loan, um, you know, who, who's a player that has, you know, flattered to, to, to deceive in, in the past. And he never, I'm not sure we mentioned him once during the season maybe one game I think he propped up with a couple of assists but not didn't really manage to push on uh, so maybe it was a system problem like you said the tactics meant that there just weren't going to be many many goals um, the one the, the the bright spot that I want to mention uh, I mentioned him a few times he was Taiyo Igarashi this young yeah. uh, midfielder who's on loan from Kawasaki Frontolia so I'm really looking forward to seeing him develop because I think there is a very very good uh, player in there I don't think you end up making it through to Kawasaki's under 18s if you're not good and uh, he was a he's a cut above the other players that they have at their disposal. So I'm looking forward to seeing him again in J2 in 2024. And uh, let's give a quick shout out to Henan because he mm. um, wasn't always the most solid, but goodness me, you have to work very hard if you're a centre back uh, in the Yamaguchi team. And he there was one. Do you remember the the goal line clearance he did with like the back yeah. heel? Um, which I literally I watched that a few times and I still can't figure out how. He ended up like I would have just blasted that into my own net just in panic. Um, so that was one of my highlights. I, I know this is a, a sign of the times, maybe shows you, but I think my highlight of the Amicus season was that clearance from him on the goal line where he just kind of backheeled yeah. into his stride and and then carried on like nothing had happened. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I think you, you, I think he kind of personifies the the effort. I mean, you can't fault I can't fault Yamaguchi's mm, effort. I just mm. think they're a very limited squad, and they they were always you know they they go for this aggressive pressing. Mm. Um, style and yeah, no, I think I think Henan's he he would always he's always giving everything. You can he works so hard, and I think that that's yeah, that's that's one of the things that they got going for them. I yeah, think. I think I think if we're being we're being fair to Yamaguchi, we'll say they're one of these teams where their kind of their reach, um, what is it? Their their reach just outseeds their grasp. You know, they're they're looking their goal is just out of reach. They're they're trying very hard to get there. And I think, like you said, we can't fault the effort of that squad compared to. There's a couple of teams we talked about earlier in this part of the season where I think we can look at certain players and say you haven't really, have you, you know, you do, you've done your best there. Are you sure? Um, well, I think with Yamaguchi that that wasn't the case, but um, even poor old uh, Rico Riku Terakado had a couple of a couple of nightmares in Golden Tea, <laughs> which yeah, we, we won't um, mention. But it was it's not lack of effort. It, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't lack of effort. It was just uh, events conspiring against them. So um yeah, but I'm I'm interested. Yamaguchi one of these teams where I do get the sense that there's a good vibe and they do try and play football. Mm. You know, they do want to be progressive and 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 win football matches and I I think it's good to have them you know, sometimes when we get down to the bottom of the league, it's like teams that are just annoying because they always stick around at the bottom. 
and don't really seem to press on. But Yamaguchi, I do think they're trying, and um, they they sort of made me. I'm kind of like a supporter, you know. I'm a neutral, but I do like. To, I think it's good for the league to see teams like that doing okay and, and holding holding mm. their own. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think we did call it with Juan Schneider. I'm not sure that your four centre backs on the halfway line is the best uh, the best plan when you're you, you know behind them as you you Terracado. But um, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, James, talking of reach, um, outseeding, uh, exceeding grasp here. Um, the next team in the, the standings is Ormia Ardija, but to, to save listeners, um, us using more synonyms for disappointing together for a few minutes, I actually, uh, I'm going to talk to, uh, Steve Fryer, uh, at Ardija01 Talk on Twitter about Ormia's season. So we, we're going to record a chat a little bit later and we'll drop that in at the end of this uh, podcast so um, if you're hanging on for Omia please hang on a little bit longer That that's coming up at the end before that James we're going to talk about the, the team that finished uh, bottom of the pile it's Zweigen Kanazawa uh, in my notes I've just written James here um, <laughs> but um, yeah t- t- to add a little bit more context uh, context they finished 14th in 2022 but uh, collected 17 points fewer this time around and, and slumped to the bottom of the table um, they'll be kicking off with their, their very fancy, uh, beautiful new stadium in the third tier next season. And I, I can only really give out the, the E grade here, I'm afraid, James. It's, it's not, not, not fun, but somebody has to, has to do it. Um, it just, just wasn't good enough, was it, from Kanazawa this, this time? <sighs> That's it. That's my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> just clip that, clip that out. Yeah. Um, it... In almost every measurable criteria, Kanazawa were the worst team in J2. And the two most important measurable criteria, points gained and league position, were the worst. They deserve to finish bottom. Um, There's so much optimism last pre-season with the squads. A few concerns. It turned out we had underestimated those concerns and overestimated uh the uh, the attacking uh, talents that we'd signed because we had a lot of talented players in that squad. Uh, there was uh, a lack of decisiveness from the front office during the season, or perhaps a bit of a bit conservative or a bit too um, trusting of the manager who I have a, a lot of uh, respect for. But I think he stayed too long. He shouldn't have been allowed to stay till the end of the season. Mm. Very few players at Kanazawa come out of this year with any credit. Um, so I will name check a few who I think did very well. Junior Kato, midfielder, scored nine goals, provided quite a few assists. And Kyohei Sugura scored nine goals including some real, real beauties and, uh, and a first half hat trick as well against Iwaki scored some really nice uh, important goals but unfortunately couldn't couldn't do anything in the second half of the year um, oh Koya Okuda as well when when Kanazawa were really really bad in the second half of the year he was one of the few who actually put in some some really good performances um, he was on loan from Nagasaki apart from that just just <laughs> but but if, if if people want more of this, I'm going to talk to Victor uh, about Kanazawa. Well, 
um, as a separate pod, and the title is going to be "Misery Loves Company." Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Yeah, we we decided that Kanazawa sort of stunk the place out so badly that they need to be sort of the, the main bulk of their season review content's got to be kind of sectioned off, right? Like quarantined <laughs> in a, in a separate pod. Because you, you and Victor are going to take care of. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that out when it's uh, when it's good and ready. It might be a long time in the editor that one. I, I feel. But um, yeah, my, my perspective um, as a neutral, I mean, I, I, when I say neutral, I desperately wanted uh, Kanazawa to do well because we, we, they have, you know, you're a fan and, and Victor's a fan as well. <laughs> you have to talk to me every week. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I was a bit like, I felt a bit like the, you know, the stereotypical like 1950s housewife, like listening to the radio uh, hoping that the team equalised in the last minute, so that you know husband's not in a bad mood when he when he, <laughs> when he comes home from the from the game. Um, but uh, yeah, it, unfortunately, I whilst I do like to see the teams that I like and my friends like to do well, I, I also have to bow down to sort of meritocracy and metrics. And I think you put it pretty succinctly, uh, James. However, you slice the the the, the stats from this season, Kanazawa were the worst team. And uh, and had to go down really. That's that that that's just ha- how it is. I, I think um, not to kind of nullify the whole season's performances, but even going into the preseason, I thought it was a mistake to stick with Yanagista um, because the trajectory seemed to be uh, downward with him in charge. I think he'd reached the kind of end of his shelf life as as Kanazar boss. So I was surprised, like you, that the front office kept him on. Uh, and I was also surprised that I think they kept him on for too long during the season and at any juncture it looked as though they could change or might change. So, you know, golden week, summertime, the run-in. And I think it got to the point, I actually feel, and I, obviously I don't know, but I'm sure that with five games to go, they were probably looking at you like, shit, we should have changed manager a month yeah. ago. And that, now it's too late because we can't get anybody in for the last month of the season and we have to just go with it. But they never really... Once they kind of sunk into the relegation zone, it never really felt like that. You know, the gravity was against them, and it just never felt like they were gonna gonna get out. And um, yeah, I think it's doubly disappointing because they, you know, as mentioned, the, the new stadium is coming online next year, and it looks fantastic. And there should be a lot of buzz. I think there will still be a buzz around the place because there'll be a new manager, there'll be lots of new players, new kit, everything. Everything will be new. Uh, prices will be new as well, as we've discussed <laughs> off off air as well. Um, but yeah, it's just a real shame that you know it's, there would never be a good year to be relegated, obviously. But but to be relegated and go into the kind of new this this new dawn uh, at the new stadium is 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 unfortunate. But I will say you name checked a couple of players that did well. It wasn't all bad, I don't think. Um, and uh, we we'll talk about this maybe more even in in season preview time on a J three tip with 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 Mike perhaps. But I think the the board are doing their best to rectify mistakes that have been made this season with some interesting new signings um, and a new manager. So it's not um, last season was all bad, I think, pretty much, but not not one hundred percent. There are some some green shoots of recovery to uh, to look forward to, I think. So, uh, but yes, if if you want more of that kind of talk, um, look out for James and Victor's uh, six hour six hour pod which is coming out sometime yeah. soon yeah, yeah oh. not the positives green shoots of recovery stuff it's oh yeah cool. sorry yes. well I, I was just as we were talking James I took notes of all the synonyms we used I might have missed a few for disappointments we had a let down uh, dull poor rubbish and a mess which I think we used twice to describe Yamaguchi's uh, season 
So um, yeah, I think we, we we definitely anyone who's listening to this on the first first Monday back at work for New Year <laughs> probably going to not be listening uh, not be listening to the whole thing. But um, yeah, we we saved we saved the worst to last because that's what the league table uh, demanded. But um, yeah, ho- hopefully people enjoyed listening to our season reviews. Uh, as much as possible and uh, yeah thanks as well to our contributors you know everybody who's taken time out of their holiday to record themselves uh talking to an empty room about their their j2 teams 2023 season we'll we'll drop those in uh you know we'll sprinkle those in when necessary uh, in each pod and i hope that gives the listeners a a good insight a a deeper dive into individual teams and and also gives them a break from listening to us which is important i think so um all right i think we'll end our our season review uh here for now uh thanks for listening to the pod throughout the season and to these season review pods as well if you support us on patreon we we appreciate that too uh don't forget though after a quick hit of music you're gonna hear uh me uh talking to steve fryer about Omia's season so the uh yeah misery train still has one stop one stop left on its journey uh, in part three of the pod but yeah thanks for listening and i hope everybody enjoys their their winter break and the new year and we'll speak to you soon bye for now Hi everyone, John Steele here again to talk about Omia Ardija's 2023 season in J2. Uh, It's too big a job uh, for one person, so I've got some help in the form of Steve Fryer. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, John, and uh, thank you for inviting me to uh, the season review. Um, And... uh, before we start, I'd just like to, you know, as it's the season review and we're, uh, we're looking back at uh, season 2023, uh, which wasn't such a good season for me as an Omea fan, but I did enjoy uh, all the hard work and good work that you and uh, that you and uh, James did on producing the podcasts every week, week in, week out, and uh, also the the great work your guests did. So uh, I'd very much like to thank you for producing such uh, great uh, uh, podcasts. It kept me up to date with what's happening in J2 all season. And, uh, well, spoiler alert for your listeners, but Omia next season will be in J3, and this is a J2 podcast, but I hope (laughs) that this won't be my last appearance, because I very much enjoy uh, coming on and talking with you and James about uh, the great sport of football and Omia. So, uh, anyway... Uh, how are you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm much better after hearing that those positive vibes about the pod uh, for, from last season, uh, Steve. Don't, don't worry, you'll be welcome back anytime with uh, with with an opening like that. Don't worry, with J three J three or even even lower won't won't be a barrier. Uh, so, but yeah, all, all good. Thanks. Um, yeah, enjoying a few. Um, have to be honest, I've been enjoying a few sort of football free or football light weeks. Uh, after a, a heavy schedule during the, the kind of regular J two season, as as you as you alluded to, but um, yeah, to be honest, the last couple of days I've really started to to want the want the J league back. I've been kind of missing uh, missing seeing some fixture you know fixture lists and uh, picking out games to talk about and games games to think about on the weekend. So uh, yeah, hopefully the the new season will roll around uh, in quite short order. I'm not sure exactly when this pod's going to go live for the listeners. So the, the, the new seasons obviously could be very close by the time people hear it, but um, yes, yes. All, all good. All is good here. Uh, thanks. And yeah, thanks for the kind words about the pod. And I just like to echo, yeah, a lot of the hard work uh, last season was done by James and our, uh, our gallery of a fantastic guests. So yeah, I'd like to extend my thanks to them um, as well. Steve, as you, uh, as you mentioned, it wasn't a, uh, wasn't a vintage year for the, um, 
the orange half of Saitama, was it for the for the squirrels? So, w- w- without further ado, I think we, we've we, we've we've sort of danced around this long enough, uh, both in our chat tonight and in in the pods, you know, season review pods I've done with James already. Um, Omiara Adija in twenty twenty three. Uh, it was a season ended in relegation. Um, would you like to give a, an alphabetized grade uh, for, for the team's efforts, or should we? Uh, should we just insert some kind of white noise or a moment's silence here? I don't know. You, you, well, the questions you kindly provided me before, you, you gave me the choice of A to E, um, but I'd like to choose F. <laughs> I think, clearly. Mm. <laughs> I think your listeners will understand. Yeah, I, well, I think that's fair enough. I mean, um, you know, thinking outside the box is encouraged uh, on the pod in general. So go, going lower than going lower than he is fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, a listeners will know I'm a Stoke City supporter, so I, I know a relegation season when I when I see one. And uh, yeah, I just think it, it it just never really got going, did it? It was it, it started bad, and then well, so, well, we we can talk about it. I mean, yeah, go 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 for it, go for it, uh, Stevie. Uh, go ahead. But actually. It actually was an okay start. If we're going back right to the start, I don't know if your listeners can remember, but it was actually an okay start. We had four home wins in the first eight or nine games, but unfortunately, all the away games we lost. Mm. And very soon after that, though, we just went on a terrible run. And this was this was under Naoki Soma. Um, and who was a manager at the start of the season. And um, uh, the defence was performing very badly, um, and uh, it, it just got worse and worse. But we did start okay. We had these four home wins, but we never developed that. And once we hit April, I mean, there was a run, I don't know if you remember, but... There, there was a run from the 12th of April to the 1st of July, which is a long time. We played 15 games and had no wins. And in that all that time, we changed our manager, but we only got two draws in that whole period. Now, that is absolutely where we lost it. And, and what relegated us? No, I think that that's all true. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten. You're totally right about the the home start was pretty good, wasn't it? First, you know, four straight wins to to start the season at home. So yeah, there, it really was that that long stretch without any wins in the kind of summertime, spring and summer that really uh, really set the tone for a uh, yeah, it'd be a pretty disappointing season. But let, let's should we stay positive as long as yes. we can? Um, Steve, was there any any highlight at all, or any any high point to, for for the Omiya faithful to cling to this season? I think there was actually. I think there was. It obviously came after that period that I just uh, I just spoke about. Um, it came in September and October, and we we got four back to back wins, and. Um, they weren't all at home, you know, they were, they included away wins as well. Um, we played, you know, we played Vortis Tokushima. And I mean, they weren't doing so well that last season, did they? But, you know, we beat them. Um, and then we beat Oita, who, I mean, they finished in the top 10. So that wasn't a bad win. Uh, and we beat Renofi Yamaguchi, who were one of those teams that we kind of had to win because they were the, you know, the team, another a team that was in the in the battle with us to stay up. And then we we beat Fujieda um, 
yeah, Fujieda, one of the new teams that had got promoted last season from J3, uh, the previous season, sorry, um, to J2. Um, so that was a nice running, and it was at that time, you know, we, we knew the end of the season was coming, um, and it, it gave us hope. Um, it was clearly the best run that we had and the best run of performances as well. I mean, we were looking stronger in defence at that time. I mean, um, uh, you know, we, we, the defence was playing better and, uh, you know, that that was looking quite good. Um, and we knew, and I knew this from the beginning of the season, that the final three games were, were terrible for us. And they were... Um, we, I knew that from the start of the season. We had uh, Kofu, Kofu at home, Shimizu Espals away, and Tokyo Verdi at um, at home. You know, at the beginning of the season, I would have bet that Kofu and Espals would be up there, would be having a good season, would be a difficult teams. We, we'd lost to them in the previous match earlier in the season, um, and and. Uh, Obviously, by the time as we were getting nearer into September and October, Tokyo Verdi were looking like a team very much in form and pushing for the promotion they eventually got. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew those three games were coming, and that we had to try and make ourselves safe before before they they appeared on the horizon. And so those four back-to-back wins in September and October were solid, and and I think you know gave us the hope that we might have done that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't turn out like that. But that would be the highlight. Well, that that was an astonishing run because I think pretty much... I don't know if James and I actually made it official on the pod around that time, but I'd certainly... like I just felt like b- before that run of wins started, I thought Omiya were down. I thought they were doomed. And, yes. and, and as soon as I kind of settled on that kind of line of thinking, they immediately started winning. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time they got to the fourth win in a row, I was starting to think, "Oh my God, they're they're going to get out of this. They're they're going to they're going to somehow do it." But yeah, like you said, it wasn't to be in the end. They just left themselves too much too much to do. But um, yeah, I think four straight wins is is not to be sneezed at in in J two. I don't think it is very very competitive as we we've mentioned a few times or, or numerous times on the pod. So uh, yeah, it was a very up and down up and down year, wasn't it? Mostly Absolutely. down, of course, for for Omia. So. Um, Steve, I feel a bit bad asking you this. Um, so don't, don't, it's, nothing, it's nothing personal. We asked every, everybody got the same question. So it's not it's not any any kind of a witch hunt or anything um, here. But um, what was the uh, the low point or the the nadir of, of the season? Do you think? Well, I think no one will be no one will be amazed to find that my answer is a word that begins with R: <laughs> relegation. Um, I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I could argue about certain results. Um, I mean, losing, was it was it 4-0 away to, to S-Pulse? Did we lose? Um, you know, but, uh, you know, those, those results don't matter in the end, do they? I mean, um, it was all about relegation. Mm. You know, came close in the previous season. But this and this season it happened. And it's just, it's it's not what we wanted at all, is it? It's so depressing. Mm. Yeah. No to J3 but we didn't want to be there and um, you know so yeah the worst the worst is relegation yeah, I did see a few uh, a few clips online of the um, kind of post season. I guess it's the 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 GM or the the the, mm. the, the CEO giving the kind of post season spe- speech uh, on the pitch at mm. NAC five, but the booing was so loud 
uh, yeah. from behind the goal. He just had to stop and just just take the booze for for. I'm not sure how long it was, but um, yeah, the um, you know I suppose inside the stadium booing takes the takes the role of the poo poo emoji yeah. uh, in the live chat, doesn't it? So um, yeah, that was a, a brutal brutal yeah. finish. As I say, I'm just checking. I mean, we yeah we lost four nil to S Pulse, but they were pushing at the time absolutely for the promotion that they never got, <laughs> which surprised me. Um, uh, we also lost uh, we lost four nil at home to Nagasaki. I mean, Nagasaki. Where did they finish, John? Nagasaki uh, seventh. They just they just but missed out on the playoffs. I yeah. At the time that we were playing them, they were still. I mean, they. they they weren't the, the strongest team, I thought, in J. I mean, seventh is a good finish for them. But I think when we played them, I didn't expect us to lose that badly to them at home. And uh, we also, away, this was away, but again, to Kofu, I, you know, obviously they're a very good side. They didn't, they weren't good enough in J2, but what they've been doing in the Asian Champions League deserves respect. Mm. More than a little respect. Um, you know, they beat us 5-1 away. They, those were obviously some lowlights as well, but overall there's, there's one word for the lowlight, and that's relegation. I wonder if that, that Nagasaki game is the one where on the pod we mentioned how I think Nagasaki, one of the goals was like from a Nagasaki throw-in where like nobody reacted on the yeah. Omiya side. Everybody was just like a traffic, like a training ground cone in the back line and they they just rolled the, like they were just passing around the Omiya players like they weren't yeah they weren't even there and to be honest after the season I had watching Yokohama FC that was that was an eerily familiar sight uh, early on in the season uh, at Mitsuzara as well so yeah that, that it was a weird uh, yeah I think it's quite quite heavy um, quite stiff competition for low lights wasn't it this season so th- thank, thank you for answering the question I thought you might have just batted that back and said like no comment or next question so <laughs> so th- thanks for thanks for being uh, being up to it um, Steve fantastic um, how about an important player uh, for the team, uh, Steve, because even though it was a, a very disappointing season and it ended in that obviously re- relegation, the, the, there were some there were some good performers, some standout performers, weren't there? So I don't think you're going to be picking any defenders here, perhaps. But, um, no, no. but who, who were your who were your kind of um, who who were the the, the 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 stars that shone the brightest? Do you think for me? I, I might mention a defender later, actually, but not as my not as my pick for this answer. I'm, I'm going to. As there hasn't been a lot to talk about here so far, um, I'm, I'm uh, positive. Uh, I'm going to pick two players here. Um, first of all, I'll pick Sviaksok, um, the Polish uh, forward player who joined us mid-season. Um, he joined us too late, unfortunately, and he did also get injured, so he left before the end of the season. Uh, I mean, he left us to go and, and get surgery. He's actually signing for us, uh, has signed for us to play next season, which is hopefully a positive thing. He didn't bring the goals I wanted and I hoped for. In fact, he only scored three goals, but that was in 10 games. And if you look at the rest of our goal scorers, and goal scoring was absolutely a problem for us this season, um, you know, our... Uh, you know, the, the Angelotti, for example, who was a lone player from we had from Raysol, um, you know, he got two goals in 34 games and Sveiksov got three goals in 10 games. Now, perhaps if he had stayed there a little bit longer and a bit more time and had been signed earlier in the season, um, you know, well, you know, things might have been a bit different. But what he didn't bring the goals, enough of the goals. But what he did bring 
was a was a kind. It's difficult to to, to sum up in, but he, he brought a positivity. He brought an energy. He brought a strength to the team and to the forward line, where we had been, you know, we had been weak up in all in all almost all areas of the of the game of the pitch. Mm-hmm. And he he was something that you know he gave an intensity. That's the word. He gave an intensity of his performance. It was just in my in my mind lacking, you know. We just looked wishy washy, you know. We just looked wishy washy, uh, you know. They were yeah, they were trying and they were making effort, but it, it just didn't. It lacked purpose. It lacked drive. It lacked energy, and he brought that, and he changed the atmosphere within the team and the squad. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was really really important. And he gave opposition defences something to think about. That wasn't easy, and you know you couldn't, you know, defenders in the of the opposition teams couldn't be sure where he would run, where he would go, what he would try to do, and also they knew uh, pretty quickly that he was going to come at them hard and fast, and you know he he wasn't going to you know namby pamby around with mm. it. Um, and I think that was really important. It's hard to sum it up in one word, but that's what I think he brought to the team. And possibly, if he'd been able to play more games, he might have brought more goals. He's not a twenty-goal a season. He's he's not, um, you know, he's he's not a top a number nine striker, but he is a good forward player who can create and can assist and can score some goals. And I think he might have been capable of getting between, I don't know, eight and twelve goals if if he played the full season. Which might have made a little bit of a difference because it, you know, it was it can get tight in J two. Mm. So he would be my main player uh, as being uh, my main choice. Sorry, as being our player of the year. Secondly, I choose Maroy, the young forward. He was actually embarrassingly perhaps, but he was actually our top goal scorer. Um, he got four goals out of thirty two games, but you know he got. One or two really nice goals. One was particularly a, a stunning strike from from outside the box. Um, he did start once Fiatsock uh, sorry came in, and um, and once the the team started to improve a little, and when we went on that four game run, and and after that as well, he started to get a bit more confidence and look a bit more like a striker. Um, and so he gives a bit of hope as well for the future. Mm-hmm. If he stays, I don't know if he stays. Yeah, well, I think that's a good shout about Murray because that name suddenly started appearing like on team sheets and in the the goals column. Yes. And I didn't know much about him, so it's good 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 to see him gain some recognition. You know, I think he's a young player. He's a young player. He, he was, you know, I felt sorry a bit for some of our young players. <laughs> You know, who, who took part last season because obviously they were in a failing team and that can affect their mentality at a young age. You know, they weren't getting a lot of confidence from mm. the boards. You know, presumably the manager was helping them and build, trying to build confidence. Um, so I think he, he deserves some respect for what he did. Mm. No, I think that's right. I think some some of the other young players that we talked about in, in other you know sections of the, the the, the season review pods and during the season it's so much easier to come in when the team is winning or, or you know when people are playing well 
um, like I had maximum respect last uh, year for Takaya Numata at, uh, at Renault for Yamaguchi because he was doing it in a team that was really struggling, you know, not having that many chances. He had to score, you know, when a chance came along, he had to take it kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and I think probably the future of J2 is like young, hungry players, isn't it? I, I was just going to say, you, you'd mentioned our defence um, rather critically and, yeah, and quite and, and regularly <laughs> in the podcast, you and James, but I, I completely agree with you. Um, it did improve a bit, and Kaike came in, uh, and uh, from Nagasaki, I think, and Ida came in, and they did. They we did. We still had our bad results. We still had our days when we went out and lost. But there, there were there were better performances coming. But the player I really want to meet, and I'm linking this to Maroy, as you said, it's so important for J2 and for you know, and for clubs like Omir and Gunmar and Mito and, and these clubs to find these young players and, and develop this talent. And you know, we had a defender come in, um, you know, Rion Ichihara, you know, and, and fair play to the, the manager that replaced Naoki Soma, you know, um, mid-season Harisaki. You know, he brought this player in. Uh, Rion Ichihara. I, I mean, he's very young. He's 17 or 18, and he came through, you know, the, the youth system. And, you know, he came into a team, a defence that was, you know, absolutely failing. And, you know, he played um, he played with a cool head and a mature head for such a young player. And uh, he looked like he, he wasn't, uh, you know, put down by the situation that Omir was. He saw it as a challenge. He saw it as an opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm really hopeful for him in the future mm. um, that, that that he might be um, a, a, a positive member of Omir's recovery and hopefully return to J2. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good shout. And I think something that we... Uh, you know, when you're talking about the Premier League, for example, ju- just as an aside, when a young player gets a chance, you know it's because they're really, really good. Mm. Because Premier League uh, teams, you know, they're massive squads with all the resources in the world. But in in the J in the J League in J two, you know, sometimes you're not sure if a young player is getting a game because they're really impressive and really good and really mature, like you said, or is it just there's nobody else available, or that the managers just run out of options in a certain position but I think in this case it was where a player had yeah like you said he stepped up and he tried him and it, it worked out pretty well uh, and it was a good a, a good addition to, to the squad and yeah I'm really looking forward to see how, how his career develops next season to be honest and where that will be um, I don't know if he's rejoined you know re-signed Omia for next year yet or not there's been a lot of tweets about that recently from mm. uh, you mm. know I can't keep up with it all sure sure but, sure yeah, hopefully. yeah. One one thing we um again as I mentioned right at the top, uh, Steve. Not sure exactly when this pod will be posted, but mid January is when most uh, J League teams have their kind of new season sort of press conference kind of kick off event, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Tends to be a kind of flurry of transfer activity around that time as as clubs realise. Oh my God! In in two days' time, we have to live stream our, our squad numbers. <laughs> we need we need some players yeah, to yeah. to announce. So we we'll see. I'm, I'm sure it will become clear uh, yeah. as time goes on. Um, I wanted to mention on switch up very quickly. You used the word mentality and about how hard it is for young players to come into a team. Um, that's not doing well from a mentality point of view. I, I think you mentioned intensity when you talked about Switchock. I think me- mentality is is also important. Like he is a guy that really really wants to win. Um, and I know it's kind of a lazy criticism that people make of the Japanese players that they are maybe not as, you know, the J-League, is, is it can feel like quite a cosy league at times. 
Yes. And if you win, that's great. If you lose, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he is not, Swartzok's not, not yeah. wired that way. <laughs> and he really wanted to win. There is a very funny uh, video that I, I tweeted out a while back of him. He's giving instructions to another player. Is it Muroy? I'm not sure who it is, but he actually, he feels yeah. like the player's not listening. So he literally grabs him like yes. by, the, by the face yes. and turns him around to pay attention. And on the one hand... You know, you could read that as like a disrespectful violation, but I think the reality is he's like, "Are you listening? Like, I'm, I'm telling you how we can win. You know, how I think we can win this match, or how we can we can get a chance on goal here." Yeah. And um, I think um, we need, as much as I just said, the future of the J League is a young, hungry uh, youth team is breaking into first teams, which I still think is correct. Um, having a player with the experience, I mean, this is a guy that's played in J One with Nagoya and done well. You know, he's the kind of player. Where if, he, if he if he's got some advice to give you, you should listen, yeah. um, because it's coming from a good place. Even if um, I, I'll be honest, when I first started watching him for Omiya, he his, he was throwing his arms up a bit too often, yeah. getting frustrated. But I think um, in his defence, it was coming from a good place. Yes. Of yeah. he he is the kind of player where you mentioned what a worry it is for the opposition defenders where he's going to be where he's going to run where he's going to move. I think if you're on his team, he he has the same effect he drags the other players around him up yes. a level. And I think the players around him, everybody stepped up, even if it was only 2%, everybody stepped up when he came into the team. And um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you mentioned he's already signed on uh, for next season. Omir. That's going to be really interesting to see how he does in J3, because my impression of him is he's much too good for that level. Yes. So um, if Omiya can break, if, if, Omiya, if Omiya can break him as well, then they really will be, they'll be going some. I agree with all you said there, John. And I, I saw that uh, video clip you tweeted. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, that's really good. I mean, you know, he, it, you could see that he was helping with, he was helping the captain really there with leadership. I mean, you know, our captain, most of the season, I think all season, our captain was Kojima. And he did have, and I like Kojima. Mm. And, and he plays in the middle. But that, I mean, Two things happened. First, he he did have some injury problems, Kojima, for a while, and, and couldn't play. Um, but also, at some points before Sviksok arrived, uh, there was a period when Angel there was one or two games when we almost had no one up front, and so um, you know the manager pushed um, Kojima forward as a, a false number nine because he's he's a midfielder, but he played you know he so he he put a lot of effort in for the team the captain mm-hmm. but i think it was really good for kojima that he had another player to help you know with the leadership issues i mean you know you've got a whole squad you've got young players you're you're fighting relegation battle you know the captain also needs you know some other players to be you know to help with the leadership and Sveik sort of came in you know, came into a team, didn't even know that much about J2 and Omir before he arrived. He'd been playing, I mean, of course, he'd played in Japan before, so he must have known something. Mm-hmm. And he came into this situation and went straight in and and, and, and and behaved like that. So I think that really reflects well on Svetsov. Mm-hmm. And it helped Kojima a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not enough, because we still went down. But, you know, I think it was it, there were some positive signs there. Yeah, you, you were right that the, t- the team was uh, was short of leaders, wasn't it? Um, uh, and that's not not just a problem from last season, but it's been a problem for two or three years, I think. Um, yeah, I think on Svirtshok, I mean, I, I have a feeling that probably after his, you know, he's, he's served his uh, drugs ban now. Yeah. And I wonder if there's an element of, I sense he's perhaps grateful to Omir for giving him the chance. 
um, to come back and play. Because I'm, I'm quite surprised he's staying on next season, if I'm honest. Yes, um, I think he's shown enough in his career up to this point. He's, he, he could play at a higher level uh, than J3, clearly. Um, so I think the fact that he's staying on that that does speak uh, that that I think that that says a lot about probably him wanting to give back to to I, I, That's how I read it anyway. Um, I don't I, I, I don't have so. any info on that, and uh, that that's a good that that's a positive for next season. I think. I hope so, and and clearly Omir in J three have to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. We can't have a situation like we have had in our recent history of having, you know, a player that at least to my view as a fan, is a great player and he's not taking part. I mean, mm. we have um, Koata, you know, Naoki Soma just didn't play him. And then he ends up in, in lo and behold, he ends up in J1. I mean, mm. not, you know, mostly as a substitute at, at, at um, Sagantosu. You know, and then we had um, Okanuki. You know, I don't know the full story there, but, you know, he he wasn't getting picked regularly and then he ends up going to Poland and then Germany and now is, is sometimes involved in the national team, mm. you know. Um, and I just hope that, you know, everyone behind the scenes and the manager realises, you know, what, what we just said about yeah. and how lucky we are to have him in J3. Mm. Yeah. How we must take advantage of that we can't just say oh sit on the bench because i don't like you or something like that i don't like your haircut or something yeah, well well without giving too much away uh steve i think we're about seven weeks away from the big sort of jd kickoff and i think for j3 it might be even longer i'm not sure they they in the past they've had a kind of staggered start and j3 still right. i've got a feeling it might be around the same time this year but let's say we're seven weeks away i, I think switchock is going to be the best he's the best finisher in that division probably yeah. Uh, unless somebody else amazing, you know, comes in. So yeah, if they if they uh, they'll need him uh, next year, they'll need to make chances for him to score goals because he he can definitely uh, finish. Yes. Uh, he yeah. just needs a service, doesn't he? He needs some help. So um, yeah, lot, lots to look forward to uh, next season. But um, Steve, one more question about last year, oh, if you don't mind. Then, then we can we can consign it to history uh, in, in in about five minutes' time. So um, was there any big surprises for you in twenty twenty three? That could be from Ormia. Uh, it could be elsewhere in the division. But anything that made you kind of uh, you know raise an eyebrow or two during the during the season? I'm, I'm a fan of music, as you know, and one of the bands I like is Radiohead, and I've seen them. Um, twice in concert in, in Japan in the, in the time that I've lived in Japan. They've never played this song, but it's one of my favourite songs. No surprises. Um, to me, it was on the cards early. I mean, especially, I mean, we had that little early four home wins, but very soon after that, it was really looking not good. And, uh, you know, and when you look at, you look at the goals we scored. I mean, we scored 37 goals and let in 71 goals all season. You know, I mean, we were, you know, we finished on 39 points. That was five points from, you know, the next Renault in 20th and Torchigi in 19th, who lucky people are safe in 20th. <laughs> you know, um, we did the double over Zvegin Kanazawa, though. Yay! Um, you know, we had 25 defeats and only 11 wins. I mean, it, it, it's no surprise we went down. You know, mm. stats like that, there's no surprise. And when you compare to um, 
to the previous season in J2 when we finished 19th, which meant we were two two spots off a relegation. You know, I mean, that season we got 48 goals. I mean, you know, those extra goals, we got 37 this season, 48 that season. Those extra goals, you know, could have made a real difference. Um, you know, our top scorer that season got eight goals. We had quite a few players who got, you know, six goals, seven goals. You know, this term it was for, you know, Svetsov and Hakamata, a defender, got three goals and Tommy Anna got three goals. And, you know, had a, and they were all playing 30-odd games. Mm. Um, you know, so the date, you know, the finishing was lower, the... And, you know, um, in 2022, we let in 64 goals. This year, we let in 71. I mean, I suppose that's not that much more, but it, it could be crucial. If we're down in that area, five or six goals is crucial. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's got worse, basically. Yeah. We just got worse. We didn't, any any um, data that you choose to select or that your listeners choose to select, Omir got worse year on year. Um so no surprise. Yeah, no that that's all fair enough. I think the the goals goal scoring is a really interesting uh, discussion because you you mentioned obviously goals they, they scored fewer than the previous year, so it's no, no surprise that they they were struggling as a result. You know, scoring a, a low number of goals is okay as long as you you're, you're keeping the door shut at the back like a Tochigi style or Akita style. And uh, unfortunately, Olmia had kind of a, a goal scoring record of one of those teams but not the defensive solidity right so you they're not they weren't getting like one nil wins here and there and john um, that that's what disappoints me so much if you're going to say what's the most disappointing thing about last season well one of one factor we talked about this i think the previous time uh, during the during the 2023 season when i came on the pod you know Naoki Soloma, I, I, I don't blame him at all you know he, he did his best for sure but you know I, I really thought he would nail the defense I didn't expect us to play beautiful football you know Pep Guardiola style you know but I thought Naoki Soloma, national defender defensive minded manager you know he had this the 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 it's a win, the winter break in Japan still at the, <laughs> I know it's going to change but the winter break you know, to 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 work with the team to choose the right players to come in to get rid of any defenders you didn't fancy. I really thought that we would at least, you know, nail the defensive part of it, and that would give us a chance to, I don't know, be seventeenth or eighteenth. It's not much. It's not much to dream about. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or or possibly if we we if we could start getting one nil wins and two nil wins. But, you know, because we were not conceding so many because Naoki Soma had sort of brought the defensive thing. He just did not. Mm. He just did not. Mm. Uh, you know, and he had to go. And he went too late. I mean, that's another problem for me. He went, they left it all too late. Um, so so um, definitely, you know, the weak goal scoring. And then you don't have a defence. You're sunk, as mm. you just said. Yeah, I think for me... I was worried about Omiya before the season started, just yeah. because of the record from the the two, the last two seasons. You know the the, the 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 you know everything you mentioned that all the metrics were trending down was last season and the season before. So you know it would only be even a supercomputer would would have earmarked Omiya as like a team to watch at the wrong end of the table uh, yeah. this season, I think. But I expected. 
Um, some of the teams that I thought might struggle, like I thought Fujieda might have a hard time uh, adjusting to J2, but it was no problem. Yeah. Uh, Akita are always on my watch list of teams that might get embroiled in a relegation scrap that never really uh, eventuated. Again, they, they were too wily. They were too streetwise to get into any real trouble at the wrong end of the table. Um, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but I thought Tokyo Verde might be in for a hard 12 months as well. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't turn out to be the case at all. So you gradually started to see these teams I thought would be kind of scrapping with Ormia at the wrong end of the table. Most of, well, some of the ones that I thought would be below Ormia very quickly became apparent. Um, I mean, even Iwaki had a terrible start, but after about two months, they they, they got there, they hit their, hit their strap. And, and that, what you're saying, made it even harder for Ormia because, you know, there, there weren't enough teams around us that, mm. we, that we were able to beat. Because mm. you know, another team you can mention is Goodman. Mm. How good were Goodman last season? And, you know, I mean, for years I've been watching J2 and Goodman have been just an average 18th, 19th, 17th type club. And That's true. Suddenly they're, they're, they were pushing up at the higher end and, you know, had a nice old finish. There. Well, I, I think that's that's something for, for Olmia's front office to have a good long think about, I think, because there's, there's no way that Goodman have got more resources than Olmia. Uh, <laughs> there's no way that Goodman are paying bigger salaries than Olmia. They haven't got a bigger squad. Um, so how is it that they're finishing, you know, eleventh within a whisker of the getting a playoff place almost, and Olmia, you know, right at the bottom and and really struggling? You could probably throw in Sendai into that conversation as well of a team that's really underperformed considering some sort of budget. I mean, we, we uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm fairly sure we lost. I mean, we, uh, I'd like to check the good. There's Sendai. We definitely lost one of the games. Just, mm. Uh, mm. Play that well against Sendai. They were down there. That doesn't make it easier for us. Tokushima were down there. That doesn't make, make it easy, easier for us. Right at the beginning of the season, um, Jubilo and, and Espos actually started quite slowly. Mm. They were down there, you know, fighting with us at that point. So it, it, we never had that kind of season where there were clubs around us that we kind of felt we could, we, we, sh- we should be bossing them and we're going to go out and boss them. Um, I mean, so we, we, and we never. I mean, we weren't good enough, and those teams were those teams were much better. Mm-hmm. I think, in in a weird way, if if we for a moment just look at the kind of you know the league as a whole, I think it's it, the, the the poorest teams do have to be relegated, don't they? That's that's yes. important, you know, yeah. on a sporting main point. Even though, as you know, we we have loads of uh, Omia uh, supporters who who listen, uh, you know, and obviously we're, we're friends, so I don't, I don't want Omia to do badly. Uh, on that basis but I think after sort of two years of them really struggling to just get going at the wrong end of the table I think they they didn't really uh, with my kind of looking at the league as a whole they didn't really contribute anything didn't really add anything this this year um this or you know 2023 and I I think they they need they look like they really need to just wipe the the decks clean and start again uh next year and even though being in J3 is obviously not ideal uh, as as can as our supporters will, will will no doubt agree um, yeah, there, there just wasn't really enough. It, it isn't like, you know, you were sunk on goal difference on the last day because of a, a hotly disputed penalty or anything like that. The, 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 the damage had been done over the over the 10 months of the season, really. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, two uh, two teams have to have to go down. And, uh, uh, yeah, Kanazawa and Omiya were the, uh, well, unlucky, or that they, they, were the, they were the two worst teams and they had to go. But uh, on the positive side, uh, Steve, I do think the resources are in place for them to, to bounce straight back. Uh, Omiya and Switch or Kastain, so that's that's one end of the pitch. Uh, you know, perhaps the goal the goals for column should look a lot brighter. 
in in J three next season. And uh, yeah, uh, you're always welcome on the pod, uh, on the J two pod that is uh, J two section of of, of J Tech to, to give your views. But um, yeah, perhaps I'll have you on to talk about about J three as as well at some point. So um, yeah, don't worry, you um, you don't have to go into exile along with all me. You, you're welcome back. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, any final thoughts on on the J two season as a whole, Steve? Before we before we wrap up. Um, I think the J2 season was an exciting one. And uh, uh, not from a Nomia point of view, as I said earlier. For Omiya and I think for Kanazawa, it was very disappointing. And I think both teams deserved it, I'm afraid. I mean, there's no luck involved in that. We deserve to go down. Uh, and as for Omiya, as you said, we, we've been on a you know a downward spiral. And, and, and this one, we're clearly down. There's no, 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 no worries about that. We, we deserved it. But watching the season develop and, and, and all the other teams, I thought it was a, it was a great season. I mean, we had, as I say, Jubilo and Shimizu started low and finished high. Machida were out there, you know, and, from the, from the early, you know, from the early games were, you know, were, were playing well and, and, and really led the way. It was, it was wonderful to see Tokyo Verdi. I mean, I, I've lived in Japan 23 years and, and, and I never saw the Ver, the great Tokyo Verdi side or the Verdi Kawasaki side. Mm. <laughs> so it's great to see them back in J, J1 and I think they absolutely deserve that. Um, you know, Kofu playing in J2 and then and then playing in the Asian Champions League and getting out of the group stage. What a great story that is. Um, and some of the smaller clubs like Akita and Gunma and Fujieda and um, Iwaki, you know, doing doing really well. Some of them doing well again and some of them doing well for the first time in, in the new league for them. I mean, I thought that was really nice to see. So I thought, and Jeff, Jeff played well. Jeff played well. I mean, we, you know, you and James often joke about Jeff and, you know, there they were, you know, in the finishing sixth. I mean, you know, that's a good season. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, not from Amir's point of view, but from, every, from, from a general point of view of the league, I, I thought it was great. And then my final thought is, where do we go from here? You know, my hope, and this is that, you know, Omir have a real reset and a real rethink about how they're going to play football and, you know, what kind of players they're going to bring through and, and, and try and, um, you know, um, and, and try and develop the club in a real positive way on the pitch and off the pitch in, in that style. Under Naoki Soma, we played 4-4-2 week in, week out. And I was so utterly bored of that by the end. And it was not very good. As you know, the results were very disappointing. Under Harasaki, he mixed it up much more and and, and, and played different um, formations. And the football was just, well, comparatively <laughs> better. You know, the, the style of football, the football to watch, for the fans to watch and come along and see. Mm. Unfortunately, the results overall in the end, you know, the balance went the wrong way. But he did try to make us play in a, a better style of football. Now he's lost his job. And we, we have a new manager that I don't really know much about. And he doesn't have a long history as a manager either. But um, he's called Tetsu Nagasawa. And the most famous thing he's done is for three years between 2015 and 2018, he was the manager of Fagiano Okayama. And in that in that run, uh, four seasons, sorry, it was there four seasons, I correct myself, sorry. In 2016, they did finish sixth, which is their highest ever finish. But apart from that, they finished 11th, 13th and 15th in J2, which is very Omir style. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a, I'm a bit apprehensive, but I'm hoping, I'm trying to be positive. Um, it's quite interesting that he was the manager of Fagiano Okiyama. And I mentioned these myriad of tweets that are coming out from Amir recently, Amir's official account players signing contracts or not signing contracts but we've also had some deals come in and there's been a couple of players at least that have joined from Fagiano Okayama so mm. he's obviously still got links there that's right that's my hope my hope is that we move forward we move positive and we are not stuck in a 4-4-2 week in week out every day even if it I mean I know it might work if we have the right players, but if it doesn't work, it's 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 just it's it's not good to watch for the fans, and it's not modern football, in my opinion. Mm. So that's my hope. In my final thought, for positive football uh, from O'Neill. Yeah, Steve. Always good to end on a positive note, uh, Steve. I think we we trod a fine line between being kind of <laughs> upbeat up and downbeat there. So you did you did well to, to kind of rescue. Yeah, really. we, we can we can only work we can only work with the tools that uh, that Omi have given us, can't we? So uh, honesty yeah. is the best policy. No, no, totally agree, totally agree. Yeah, but um, yeah, at least another positive. Um, you, you mentioned the kind of off-season uh, transfers. A, a lot of agents will certainly be doing quite well. Uh, yeah. This time of year, so good, 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 good luck to uh, good luck to all involved. I'm sure there's plenty of transfer business for for us to keep an eye on over the next the next few weeks. Um, but I think uh, Steve, I will let you go now because I think you you probably uh, probably got other things you need to be doing and, and me uh, as well. So thanks so much for for coming on. It's always nice to to chat and uh, hopefully next time it'll be in more uh, more positive circumstances for for Omia. My pleasure, John. Thank you for inviting me once again. I always enjoy coming on and having a chat about my favourite sport. So, and uh, all the best to you, and all the best for the next two season. And uh, let's talk soon. Yeah, we will. We will. Thank, thanks very much. Thanks for that, Steve. And I, I think that brings us to the end of our our season review uh, pods for for J two for twenty twenty three. So I'd just like to say, if you made it this far, thanks for listening uh, to the to the very end. And uh, yeah, James and I will be back with some season previews uh, very soon. Not sure exactly when because. Uh, uh, thanks to the miracle of editing, I'm not sure exactly when uh, people will be listening to this, but um, yeah, we'll be back soon with uh, with season previews for 2024. But that's all for 2023 season, I think. So yeah, thanks for listening, uh, and we'll uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. 